Hey everybody, welcome to Row Hunting Resources Podcast. All right, uh, I don't know if this is going to be a bonus podcast or if this is just going to be a Monday edition podcast, but regardless, it, I'm sitting here, it's Wednesday, July 6th at one, almost 1 o'clock p.m. my time. So this is not a normal time in which I'm normally recording a, a podcast. So what the hell's up? Well, and, and literally, just fair warning, okay? We're going to talk about an issue that has got me fired up, which means anybody that's been following me for a while knows there might be some flowery language thrown in here. I'm going to apologize. I'm going to do the best I can to keep it at a minimum, but this is probably not going to be child-friendly, so if you're going to be listening to this, make sure you're listening to it strategically wherever you are to make sure that it fits within what you want. Got it? Because I've I've gone through this now, and I and I've I I just I finally had a deep dive myself into all 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 sorts of different things to really flesh out what I make sure I was I was tracking on what I believed, what I understood, and the discussion and dialogue around the issue that we're going to tackle today, um, which is the sky is falling sportsman rally against what's going on to quote-unquote defund Pittman-Robertson Act. Um, you've, you've seen all the pressers. You've seen all the social media posts. You've seen the howl, you know, the action alerts from Howell and national sport, you know, that everyone, okay? So much of it is bullshit. So much of the discussion and dialogue is absolute disingenuous bullshit. And I and I'm, I've already had a number of conversations with with some of you, um, and it just every time I have the conversation, another little tidbit comes up, and it just gets me. It just it, it just here we go. So you know what? I can't. I enjoy. Don't get me wrong. I enjoy the private conversations. I enjoy talking with you, and, and please by all. I mean, keep it let's just keep that going but 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 i think this is real i think we need to just just jump in a podcast just have a discussion so you can see not that you care about my opinion but i it, there needs to be more discussion around this issue so that's what we're going to dive into okay so this the quote-unquote repeal act all right from representative um andrew clyde the, or not repeal, excuse me, excuse me, the Return Act. Repealing excise tax on unalienable rights now, the Return Act that he proposed, and everybody is freaking fired up about, oh my gosh, this is the worst thing ever, we need to we need to rally the troops and defeat this idiot Republican. That's essentially what it is, okay? We're, I need to pause. Again, I was hoping that I had climbed down off the clock tower. Maybe I haven't. So this is going to be passionate anyway. But I need to do a couple of things, uh, or at least one major thing, before we jump in. And that is, so I'm working on some of the elk stuff now for the Elk Hunting Institute, the elk module on Row Hunting Resources website. Um, yeah, right now it's, it's I've got several, That's this is where my mind goes. I, I've got, I, I end up getting 18 different things going on at the same time in my head and they all just they're all just different irons in the fire. So I've got a bunch of different 
podcast discussions, elk-specific podcast discussions, which will be members-only type of, of podcasts. And then I've got some videos that are going to be starting to be uploaded to the Elk Hunting Institute elk module in there to add um, to add some content. We're going to be talking about uh, vegetation, um, so, some scouting stuff, what I'm looking for. We're going to talk about bedding areas and the really fine-tune honing in on understanding bedding areas. Just because there's a bench on the side of a mountain, just because there's a saddle on the side of a mountain or whatever, does not mean that it, I mean, it could be a potential bedding area, but I, but there's there's a reason why elk bed in certain places. And you absolutely can understand that better if, if we just have a conversation about it. And you can start, if you're looking at your your all the mapping stuff and the satellite imagery and all that type of stuff, regardless of what app you're using or, or what you know functionality you're using, you can start looking at some of these things and really teasing out which ones are likely to be bedding areas and, and maybe which ones aren't. But uh, anyway, that's going to be part of the discussion. Uh, there, there's a whole bunch of other stuff that's going to be added that I'm working on right now to add again. So the reason why I bring that up, twofold. Number one, um, three, is it three, five? It doesn't matter. Let's just focus on that. Let's just, let's, for right now, let's just focus on the website. Two things. Number one, um, I've mentioned this in the past and unfortunately we are we have now arrived. We have now arrived at the position where we are going, we have to raise the cost of the subscriptions at Row Hunting Resources. Uh, for right now, the turkey module and the deer module, they both of those are set up for beginners that are just getting started into hunting. Um, there's not a lot of content in there. Uh, in the future, that might change, but right now, the con- there's just not a lot in the turkey, and there's not a lot in the deer. But there's, but if you're just getting started in hunting, if you're just getting started in hunting those species, there's a lot of there's some fundamentally good information in there for you. We are not going to change the pricing structure for those modules. Um, because of the ty- for a variety of reasons. The elk module, Elk Hunting Institute, we are going to have to raise the price. Right now, we are looking, and the reason why that is, is because we just got hit with another price increase from our web hosting and the the folks that we use to manage that content and provide that content in the in the manner in which we do. Um, we have the membership now, so how they without going into the behind the scenes of our business model with the amount of video content we have in there and with the amount of traffic that we get on there as we increase members which is awesome i, I and I, I love the fact that we keep getting more and more and more folks you know rolled into the row hunting resources family of of subscribers there's different brackets that we have to pay for. Well, we we just crossed another threshold to where it's not it's not like every every new member we have to pay another extra fee. That's not how it is. However, we have crossed the threshold of a certain number of members and so they have they have bumped up their price because of that. Um but then they just flat out just bumped up their 
their service, their, their, their fees for us on just hosting and doing whatever we're doing. So we're at the position now. We just don't, it, it just, we, we can't, we can't keep the price the same and then still, it just doesn't become, you could say profitable, but it, it doesn't become cost effective for us. Um, so I don't know what the price is, what the price jump is going to be. Um, we're, I'm talking with Kelly right now. We're, we're trying to see what we want to do. Um, if we look at all of the other elk related or even online, uh, education subscription based models that are out there, we're about half of what everyone else is charging. Now, with that being said, Everybody else, you know, they they price their 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 online education course at such and such a price, but then you go out and you can find eighteen different you know um, promo codes that knock it back by you know twenty five percent, twenty percent, twenty five percent, fifty percent, or whatever. So what what is the actual cost versus what are they list price? That's number one, but number two, we have so we have resisted for. I think we've kept our prices the same for stupidly long amount of time, like stupidly long. So I don't want people looking at this, this upcoming increase as something that is just, oh, well, we just want to, you know, we just want to make more money. Well, of course I want to make more money, but it's, it's not just a simple, oh, well, everyone else is charging this. So we're going to charge the same. No, if the price increase that we're going to, whatever it ends up being, it's by necessity at this point. And I, and I apologize for, I, again, we've always tried to keep it so stupidly reasonable that anybody can afford it. Um, yeah, it's just, it, unfortunately, it, it, we've, we've got to, we've got to, we've got to bump our rates up. So I will let you know uh, coming up. I, I will give you guys heads up on what that price increase is, and I will prob I will try to give you. We're, we're trying to figure out whether we're going to do a July fifteenth bump or whether we do an August first bump, um, just to give you guys uh, uh, an just a heads up. But I'm giving you initial heads up right now. It, the the price is going to go up. the The three month subscription right now is like twenty five bucks. The annual subscription right now, I think, is fifty bucks. If I'm right, it's it's gonna jump again. Most other ones that I know of are floating right around. It's an annual. It's floating around a, a hundred bucks or hell, some of them are even more. So the price is gonna jump, and it's gonna jump either July 15th or, or August 1st. I don't know. And I'm giving you fair warning now because if you want to jump in now, do it. If you've been thinking about jumping in and, and getting the subscription or figuring out what it is, this now's the damn time because it's stupidly cheap and it's not going to be stupidly cheap uh, here very shortly. So if you want to support row hunting resources, if you like these type of discussions, because that's the, we're going to segue into the second part, because that's the thing. Every there's a lot, and I appreciate the support. There's a lot of you that love this podcast and love hearing my ideas on certain things. I appreciate that. I don't know why you guys are. <laughs> it is what it is. I appreciate it. All right, and so it is right now. 
I, as of yet, I still don't have advertisers. I don't do advertisers. Everything is paid for by you, the users, okay? And the people that are paying for this and paying for my time and paying for me to sit here in front of this microphone on a free podcast, it's being subsidized for all of you that want to listen for free by the people that go out and subscribe to the website, all right? So go support the website. If you if you want to support me in this, I, pre, I, we, I need it. And... I appreciate it. But right now, the current mechanism is to go get a membership on or a subscription on the website. Now, if you don't care about elk hunting, if you don't care about what I have on there for deer or turkey, which that, that's understand, it's fine, but you still want to support the podcast, I am right now, I'm, I think we might go and put in a Patreon or something like that to where. Okay, fine. You can you can pitch in five bucks here, ten bucks there, or you know, five bucks a month or whatever it is you know that you want to do. You, I want to put together a different level of option for you to support the podcast. If that's all you care about, you don't want to spend. Let's just say we jump it to. Let's just say. Let's just say we the. And I'm not saying it will, but it might. Let's just say we jump to a three month subscription is going to be fifty bucks, and the year long subscription is going to be a hundred bucks or whatever, or ninety five bucks, whatever it becomes. Okay, and you don't want to spend that much money. I understand that. Maybe we'll put together a different little pay, uh, pay for the you know if you don't want to help support the podcast at that level, maybe we just put together a little thing where you can say you know you're a buck a month or you're five bucks a month. But, but again. Well, there you go. If if you're if you're willing to spend, if some of these, you know, especially in the Second Amendment uh, community, um, a lot of these educators have a Patreon where you can get bump up a level and get you know certain things, and it's a it's a five bucks a month type of deal. Hell, that's sixty bucks a year. You buy a subscription to the Elk module at fifty bucks a year, you're still ahead. So anyway, I don't know. Well, I I think I'm going to put together a Patreon type of bracket. To where maybe you don't care about elk hunting, maybe you don't care about the educational materials on there, but you would like to have more of these type of discussions. Well, obviously, like a lot of the other models, what I'd do is we'd still have the free podcast, but then maybe you know once a week or once a month or what. However, I don't know. However, it comes up, I'll have Patreon or uh, you know podcast subscriber you know, benefits like where we have one, you know, we have specific discussions for you guys, like I do with the subscribers to the Elk module. Like I said, I'm going to have some conversations coming up on the podcast that are only going to be available to those Elk module, the Elk Hunting Institute subscribers, okay? I'm trying to be flexible. You know, again, we've tried to keep this thing stupidly cheap. Obviously, things in this world are no longer stupidly cheap. I can no longer maintain the pricing structure that we have and continue to pay the bills, even just on the website, continue to pay the bills like everyone else. So I've got to, I've got to try, I've got to make some changes. Some of those changes are going to impact you. I'm going to do what I can do to make, to minimize those impacts and, or provide a value added bump with that. Um, I'll just keep you in the loop as, as we move forward. So with that being said, again, I'm going to reiterate it now. If you have been interested in either A, what's going on in the Elk Hunting Institute Elk module and, and the information there, and or you've been wanting to support this podcast, now's the time to jump on a subscription because 
it's the prices have got to go up. All right. So, all right, enough of that one. So what the hell has me fired up? Like fired up enough to where I have the microphone shoved as far away from me on the table as possible. And I've actually turned down the gain on the microphone because, hmm. Yeah. All right. So you guys have all seen it. I, I think you guys have all seen it. The, all the action alert alerts. I mean, you're, you're hearing it from podcast celebrities. You are hearing it from uh, national sportsmen's organizations. You're getting the, you know, action alerts from all the political activist organizations, sportsmen political activist organizations regarding the fact that we have a uh, Republican House of Representatives uh, person that, you know, quote unquote, wants to gut the um, Pittman-Robertson Act, okay? And Pittman-Robertson funds. So I'm going to just go to howl.org because they're one of they're one of the people that have been you know firing this up. So I'm going to click on take action because I want you to I want to read exactly because this this with howl.org typically which it's going to be a copy and paste. It seems like a lot of it's a copy and paste of what other people you know want people to rally for. So if I if I click on theirs and I read what they have in there it's going to be very similar, if not verbatim, what some other press release was. They just t- It seems like they just take a press release from someone else and then just post it. I don't know. Okay, so if I click on the howl.org and I click on the take action and then I scroll down, you're going to find a whitetail buck and you're, the, the title is The Return Act, quote-unquote, Guts, Pittman Robertson, and Wildlife Conservation. Take action now. Okay, so let me read this. All right? So it's under the head. So you've got two parts. You've got two sections. There's the good and the bad is how they have this set up. Okay? you got the good, the bad, and time to howl. Okay, so let's just take it. Let's just read down through this what this says. So the good. Hunters and conservationists throughout North America know the stories. They know about the unlikely and timely alliances that, yeah, the unlikely and timely alliances that made our model of wildlife conservation the envy of the entire world. While unregulated market hunting nearly decimated North America's big game species in the lead up to the 20th century, it was the forward-thinking efforts of American sportsmen and women that un, un well, that ultimately righted the ship and brought many of our nearly depleted game populations surging back to life. The narrative is wide-reaching and induces such conservation luminaries as Theodore Roosevelt, John F. Lacey, George Bird Grinnell, and Aldo Leopold, just to name a few. But one of the most consequential characters in the saga that gives us the rich legacy of hunting and fishing that we still enjoy today was Depression-era President Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Don't even get me started on FDR. I'm going to just... In 1937, FDR, spurred on by a host of legendary conservationists working in both the private and public sector, enacted a piece of legislation known as the Pittman-Robertson Act or the Wildlife Restoration Act of 1937. 
This revolutionary act of Congress redirected already existing excise taxes on firearms and ammunitions out of federal coffers and into the hands of the state wildlife agencies tasked with protecting and preserving America's wildlife for the benefit future the benefit of future generations. As its alternative name suggests, it, it restored wildlife populations that had been completely pilfered and ensured the yeah, completely pilfered and ensured the continued existence of these species for generations to come. In the years since, Pittman-Robertson funds have become the lifeblood of, man, this thing jumps around, sorry, lifeblood of American conservation. The money comes not just from firearm and ammunition sales, but also from similar taxes on archery equipment, fishing tackle, and boat fuel, and engines and some other things. And it funds the critical boots-on-the-ground work that keeps the animals we love to hunt on the landscape and the fish we love to pursue in the rivers and lakes they call home. According to the Department of Interior, Pittman-Robertson generated nearly $1 billion in 2020 alone. The success of Pittman-Robertson and the important funding that it has provided, excuse me, has produced in the 85 years since it, it was passed is cause for celebration. But it is also something that hunters, anglers, and conservationists around the world must fight to safeguard and protect. All right, so that's the good. All right, now here's the bad, as, as far as they list. Last Wednesday, Pittman-Robertson was directly... <laughs> okay, I told you I'm going to be passionate about this. I'm going to read this, son of... I'm going to read this, and I'm going to try to keep my emotion out of it right now. Operative word here being tried. Last Wednesday, Pittman-Robertson was directly attacked by a Georgia congressman named Andrew Clyde and 58 of his congressional colleagues. This attack took the form of an act that, that you can highlight and you can click that Clyde introduced in the U.S. House of Representatives, one that the North Georgia politician hopes will, quote, eliminate the excise tax on firearms and ammunition, end quote, as well as archery equipment and fishing supplies. In doing so, Clyde's bill would decimate the critical funds that make hunting and fishing possible in the United States. Let me read that again. In doing so, Clyde's bill would decimate the critical funds that make, the hunt, make hunting and fishing possible in the United States. He said he'd make up for the staggering losses that this bill would bring about, again, $1 billion in revenue from Pittman-Robertson in 2020 alone, by pulling from the pool of federal tax revenue that comes from offshore oil and gas drilling. Clyde, who owns two Georgia gun stores and contracts with the federal government and many state governments for the sale of guns and ammo, says the Pittman-Robertson excise taxes that keep America hunting and fishing heritage that keep America's hunting and fishing heritage alive are an infringement on constitutional rights. In a recent press release about his act, which he's called Return which is repeal excise tax on unalienable rights now. Our Constitutional Rights Act. Uh, what? Which he's calling, oh, 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 sorry. Which he's calling return our Constitutional Rights Act. He calls Pittman-Robertson a, quote, dangerous opportunity for the government to weaponize taxation. Hunters and anglers and conservatives, no, no, no. Hunters, anglers, and conservationists beg to differ. They know that Pittman-Robertson represents one of the greatest opportunities for sound wildlife management and the, that the world has ever seen. In an unprecedented time of economic turmoil, it brought together some of the best conservation minds in history and gave America's wildlife a sustainable funding source that continues to thrive today. 
in our current era of stifling political division. It is hard to imagine a group of politicians coming together to create something so fundamentally important to the continued existence of wildlife in America as was the Pittman-Robertson Act of 1937. But the unlikely story behind America's wildlife recovery that so many hunters and anglers hold close to their hearts is clearly lost on Georgia Republican, uh, sorry, Georgia Representative Andrew Clyde and his 58 Republican co-sponsors. By signing their names to this ill-advised piece of legislation, these politicians have made clear state have made a clear statement. Quote or quote, they want to see these critical conservation funds gutted. America wildlife be damned. Time to howl. If you disagree with this plan, now is time to let your congressman, the National Resource Committee, all 58 blah 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 know about them. They love to let them know that you won't sit idly by as they attempt to trash the North American model while of conservation and its dangerous political stunt. And then it tells you how to, you know, sending this howl will send one of over 70 pre-drafted emails to the three groups above. Second, sending this howl will send one of over 70 pre-drafted emails by fax to multiple supporters of this act at the DC office. Uh, taking the call action will connect you with a co-sponsor of the author, author itself. There are 58 supporters on this list. You'll be connected with them in groups of five. Come back and do the action again with to connect with more. Okay, so that is that's a very general. I mean, very similar. Um, well, let's see. Let, let, hold on. Let's click on Sportsman's Alliance. Let's see what their press release. Take action. Boom, 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 boom. I, and I apologize for me because I tried having um, all these tabs open and uh, my there was so much going on that it just, <laughs> it was crashing my, it was, it was just crashing my computer. My, my little, my poor little weak laptop that I need to probably um, replace at some point. <laughs> all right so if we go to the sportsman's alliance all right who i support i financially support the sportsman's alliance I, I do like what they're doing okay they actually have boots on the ground they have people in washington they have they have the relationships and the connectivity that they can pick up the phone and make a phone call and they'll someone will actually answer on the other end of the line same thing with SCI I need to get my membership back with SCI but SCI is the same thing they got people on the ground okay that's who I support if you've got people that have boots on the ground and actual lobbyists working in Washington those are the people I'm going to support and yes I'm sucking on my monsters reject the return act okay that's right top stories boom go to their homepage sportsman's alliance top stories reject the return act bam Hunter Confer- reject the Return Act. Hunter conservationists reject re- reject Return Act. Okay, let's le- let's let's go to their presser. Uh, Representative Andrew Clyde, Georgia Republican, recently introduced the Return Repealing Excise Tax on Native Rights. Now, our Constitutional Rights Act in the United States House of Representatives, to the dismay of millions of firearm owning hunters nationwide. I want, you, I want to read that again because that's going to come back to the dismay of millions of firearm-owning hunters 
nationwide. The Return Act would repeal the federal excise tax on rifles, shotguns, and ammunition, as well as reduce similar taxes on archery and fishing equipment, which has been set aside for conservation, wildlife management, hunter education, and construction of facilities for sportsmen, such as boat ramps and shooting ranges. For 85 years, sportsmen have willingly paid to support conservation in this country, which has become the crown jewel of wildlife management and the model uh, that the rest of the world has embraced, said Todd Atkins, Vice President of Government Affairs for Sportsmen's Alliance. The Return Act will gut wildlife management in this country and destroy North American model of wildlife conservation, end quote. The Wildlife and Sports Fish Restoration Program, which is funded by the 1937 Pittman-Robertson Act and the 1950 Dingell-Johnson Act, is responsible for dispersing nearly $15 billion to the states, including $1.5 billion last year alone, for conservation, wildlife management, and recreation. Now, I want you to remember that, okay? Sorry, this is, this is my little aside. It, in the previous presser, it said it was $1 billion in 2020. In, in this one, it's saying $1.5 billion in 2021. I want in the back of your head to just, just pigeonhole, just to pin, why did we see a $500 million increase in Pittman-Robertson and Dingle-Johnson Act money? Hold that thought. Back to the presser. In, re- in the Return Act, Represent- Representative Clyde intends to eliminate this funding and sub- subsidizing the wildlife and sports fish restoration program with unsecured and wildly variable funding from the from the Department of Treasury or the constant the con, oh, come on Chris from the Department of Treasury or the Continental Shelf Lands Act and Mineral Leasing Act, which would never exceed just half of what sportsmen contributed last year. Quote Representative Clyde's alternative funding sources are diluted among many programs and are highly dependent upon the political agenda of whoever sits in the White House, end quote, continued Atkins. The beauty of what American sportsmen have willingly built with the wildlife and sports fish restoration program is that it provides dedicated and protected funding for conservation, sorry, let me start that over again. Emphasis matters for carrying impact, and I, I had the emphasis wrong. So, start over. Quote, The beauty of what American sportsmen have willingly built with the wildlife and sportfish restoration program is that it provides dedicated and protected funding for conservation free of political interference, as it should be, end quote. And then it says, Act now. Sportsmen can, should contact their U.S. representatives, tell them to reject the Return Act, or constant, blah, 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 blah. They can find more... Uh, information on res- rep- representatives by clicking the Legislative Action Center. They provide a link. Okay, so those are th- those are the two pressers. Okay, that's that's generally the, you get the idea. Okay, this act is bad. You need to fire up and get a hold of your your representative right now. Okay. Now, I'm going to tell you absolutely what I think. The Return Act, okay, is bad. I, I have no problem with saying we need to oppose the Return Act. No problem whatsoever. The problem I have is the bullshit, dis- disingenuous lack of actual discussion about what the freaking hell is going on and what it would do and why. Because I think that is actually relevant. Because if we're going to sit there and say that we need to, to rally to protect the Pittman-Robertson funds from this dumbass Republican, which is, because exa- when you, 
if we... Oh, I'm sorry. I'm jumping ahead. <laughs> I'm jumping ahead. Okay, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Okay, so there's the press release, okay? All right. Now, let's do this. So what is this actual thing? So so what is he actually saying? So so did this Republican just wake up one morning and be like, you know what? Screw a bunch of these freaking hunters and anglers and everyone else. This is just bullshit. I want to rape and pillage the Pittman-Robertson Act because, you know, I hate I I I hate the idea of this and and and, and we I just need to do something. And then they got how many freaking 50 some odd, you know, uh, 53 original co-sponsors all did the same thing. They woke up one morning and they hate hunters. They hate anglers. And, and, and they don't care about the North American model of wildlife conservation. And they're just basically putting a big middle finger to the, to the American public and be like, bah, screw you. We, we just want to do this. Or was there something else going on where maybe, just maybe, you haven't been given the whole freaking piece of the, all the information. I don't know. How about we actually go to Andrew Clyde's page and let's take a look at what he says. All right. So if we go to Clyde, see, that's, and I want you to look this up. C-L-Y-D-E dot house dot gov. And there's his page. Representative Andrew Clyde, who's serving Northeast Georgia. He is a Republican, right? Press releases. Representative Clyde introduces legislation to eliminate the excise tax on firearms and ammunition. Washington, June 22nd, 2022. Tags, Second Amendment. All right, so let's 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 read through this. Washington, D.C. Today, Congressman Andrew Clyde, Georgia, uh, District 9, and 53 original co-sponsors introduced the return repealing excise tax on unalienable rights now, our Constitutional Rights Act, to eliminate the federal excise tax on firearms and ammunition. Quote, In case my Democrat colleagues forgot, the Bill of Rights enumerates rights to which the government cannot infringe. Unquestionably, infringement exists when the government taxes those rights to limit the people's ability to exercise them, end quote, said Clyde. Quote, as assaults against American Second Amendment freedoms continue to emerge, so do treacherous threats that seek to weaponize taxation in order to price this constitutional right out of the reach of average Americans. I firmly believe that no American should be taxed on their enumerated, enumerated rights, which is why I intend to stop the left's tyranny in its tracks by eliminating the federal excise tax on, federal, on firearms and ammunition, end quote. Background. Currently, an excise tax is applied at the manufacturer level for, and this is going to be important later, at the manufacturer level for every firearm and all ammunition sold in the United States that is purchased by anyone other than the Department of Defense and state and local law enforcement. Okay, remember, military doesn't have to pay this excise tax and law enforcement doesn't have to pay this excise tax. Only the people of the the citizenry, the general civilian citizenry, citizenry of the United States. Okay, this tax. I'm back to the background. This tax infringes on America's ability to exercise exercise their Second Amendment rights and creates a dangerous excuse me dangerous opportunity for the government to weaponize taxation 
to price this unalienable right out of reach for most Americans, a threat that is materializing by the day. Pay attention. Recently, Representative Don Beyer, Democrat from Virginia, introduced the assault weapons excise tax, which would impose a 1,000% tax on semi-automatic weapons and other things. We can we can click on that one here in a minute if you if we need to. I've got it pinned. But the assault weapons excise tax. Basically, what it does is it does. It provides a $1,000. This is me talking, not the, not the article it's a, or the op-ed. It's a 1,000% tax on anything that can be considered an assault rifle and or, it, well, and, and, not or, and, and, no, I, I, I meant, no, sorry, I misspoke. A thousand percent, a thousand percent tax on semi-automatic weapons that could be considered quote-unquote assault weapons as well as any magazine that's more than 10 rounds all right that's what that assault weapons excise tax is geared to do democrat out of virginia plus their co-sponsors have put that forth in congress have you heard anything about that i digress Back to the presser. To restore Americans' people's Second Amendment liberties, Representative Clyde's Return Our Constitutional Rights Act will repeal excise taxes on firearms and ammunition, as well as bows and arrows. Since the current firearms tax revenue funds beneficial programs under the Pittman-Robertson Act, such as hunter education and environmental care, this legislation redirects unallocated lease revenue generated by onshore and offshore energy development on federal lands, which currently flows into the general fund to continue funding these important programs. I'm going to read that last one again. Since the current firearms tax revenue funds beneficial programs under the Pittman-Robertson Act, such as hunter education and environmental care, and we know other things as well, but that this legislation redirects unallocated lease revenue generated by onshore and offshore energy development on federal lands, which currently flows into the general fund to continue funding these important programs. And then it lists the whole, all the list of the original co-sponsors of the bill. If you want to look at the full text of the, uh, the, the act, you can click on that and look at it. Uh, it, it removes the excise tax that uh, it, it does. It removes the excise tax uh, from the sale of firearms, but it also does something else. It, it removes the excise tax on the manufacturing of firearms. And it, what else? The other one, there was another, it removed another tax on, was it the trans, something that, well, hold on, just, just stop, Chris. Let's just bring up, okay, boop, click. Here's a bill. And it, there's a lot, okay, so when you look at the bill it said, itself, it just strikes a whole bunch of things from the IRS code, okay, and that, that outline those type of things. Um, the other one I wanted to say, the bow and arrow one, that's, that is interesting to me. I don't know why he included the bows and arrows, because bows and arrows are not necessarily listed, you know, a Second Amendment right. And then also for sports fishing, um, you know, the, the fishing stuff. I, so 
some of this I don't understand why, other than the typical, you know, reduced taxes type of deal. Um, parts, accessories sold, amends the federal. Sorry, I'm going down through. Okay, so one of the provisions here is that you know for for deposits, once you get rid of the tax, you've got to backfill the the Pittman Robertson funds. Okay, so deposits in fiscal year 2023 and each fiscal fiscal year thereafter, the Secretary of the Treasury shall tra- transfer the to the fund for deposit in the sub account the lesser the lesser of eight hundred million dollars into the Pittman Robertson, you know, or the, the land, whatever the, um, <sighs> federal aid to wildlife restoration fund. That's the fund. Okay. So you have the Pittman Robertson wildlife restoration act that collects tax dollars, tax dollars, though the excise tax dollars and those excise taxes go into the Federal Aid to Wildlife Restoration Fund. Okay, so if they're going to take the excise taxes out of the Pittman from you know from the Pittman Robertson going into that, what the, what he wants to do is then to backfill the Federal Aid to Wildlife Restoration Fund subaccount blah, 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 either eight hundred million dollars annually or. The sum of the amounts deposited in the Treasury under Section 9 of Outer Continental Shelf Lands Act 33 during the preceding fiscal year and the amounts deposited in the Treasury under Section 35 of the Mineral Leasing Act, that's federal public land mineral and gas exploration, uh, Mineral Leasing Act, but uh, determined withdrawal, blah, blah, blah. So anyway, it's, it's taking off, so taking the offshore funds, taxes, as well as federal public lands taxes and putting them in whichever, whichever one is, is, is least now, or yeah, this, the sub account, the lesser of, I don't like, I don't like that word myself, but anyway, um, bum, 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 repeal of certain national firearm taxes. Okay. So firearm transfer taxes repealed under this. Okay, so if you want to transfer a firearm, you got to pay a tax. That's being repealed under that. The proposal is to repeal that under this one, and then the firearm making tax would also be repealed under this. Um, so anyway, there's a couple more things in this that he wants to reduce, remove the taxes on, and he has it. It you know people say it's well it's the offshore oil that they no it's it's offshore oil and gas as well as onshore oil and gas. Okay. That's what his, his, um, bill is saying. All right. Now I want to dive into, um, a couple of things. Now there is a podcast called, uh, district of conservation podcast and Gabriella, um, she, does it, I, I, she does a good job. I like listening to it because she gives you the broad strokes on just little things. They're a very, very, very short podcast. But she dumped, jumped into this one, and I disagree on a couple of things that, that she brought up. Uh, but she did a phenomenal job at um, linking all sorts of different information in there. Now, in, in, in this, di- this discussion has come up because people have asked me, well, you know, there's, there's, there's this, you know, of course, all sportsmen... Um, 
All sportsmen hate this and every, all sportsmen need to rally against it. Okay. Because, quote unquote, this is an attack on the Pittman-Robertson Act, right? And it's going to gut the Pittman-Robertson Act, right? Okay. Why? Because it... And, okay. And Andrew Clyde, Representative Clyde, is saying because people want to weaponize it, it I don't want to. I, okay, sorry, but let me take a let me let me take a moment. Let me let me take a moment. Let me give it another little piece of background because because there's some people who are like, all right, what are, you know, to understand what an excise tax is. Okay, so she did a good job, and she the text taxfoundation.org. If you go to taxfoundation.org, April sixth, the two thousand. 2020, Ulrich Benson wrote an article calling a good excise tax. Let me read through that because it's 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 actually a well-written article and, it, and it's, it's relevant here, okay? On March 19th, Secretary of the Interior David Bernhardt announced that the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service will distribute, distribute, and this, again, remember this was in 2020, will distribute almost almost now some people are saying one billion dollars in 2020 remember that that press release on how how.org said that was one billion well on this one they're saying march 19th will distribute almost one billion so not quite a billion but less details who cares one billion to state and territorial fish and wildlife agencies to fund conservation and recreation projects these funds have been raised through rather well-designed excise tax levied on firearms as well as hunting and fishing equipment. The specific figures for the states can be seen in the table at the, at the end of this piece. Okay, But what is an excise tax? Let's go through that. Okay, The excise tax on firearms was established under the National Firearms Act of 1937 through oh, excuse me, National Firearms Act in 1937. Though archery items were not added as taxable items until 1972, pistols and revolvers are taxed at a 10% of value. Ammunition and other firearms are taxed at 11% of their value. Stated value by the manufacturer. The manufacturer states that this firearm is, is this is me commenting here, a, a, a manufacturer, Daniel Defense, makes a, 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 a 5.56 in the AR platform and they put some ooh bells and whistles on that bad chicken and they say it's 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 worth $1,000. We're going to sell this. The manufacturer's suggested retail price is $1,000. All right. Well, based on their stated price of what that is, it's 11% tax that the manufacturer has to pay on that firearm to the federal government, all right? It's at the manufacturer level, okay? So ammunition ammunition and fi- and other firearms are taxed at 11% of value, and archery items are taxed at 11%, except shafts, arrow shafts, which are taxed at 39 cents per shaft. Again, these are manufacturers have to pay these taxes. Oh, no, there you go. The tax is collected at manufacturer or, or importer level. The allocation of these of the receipts is regulated by the Pittman-Robertson Act. The excise tax on fishing gear was established by the Dingle-Johnson Act in 1950. The rate is 10% of value and is also collected at manufacturer level. 
While a specific flat rate excise tax would improve the design, the rates are low enough to avoid interfering with consumer choice. Let me say that again. While a specific flat rate, meaning just a, a, a flat rate, not, not tied to the value of the product. It just, okay, if a manufacturer wants to sell a, make a firearm and sell it, it's a, it's a, it's a hundred dollar flat tax, boom, done. Or it's a, it's a $50 flat tax or, you know, whatever. doesn't matter the value of that firearm. It just, it's just, it's a flat fee. Okay. I'm going to read that last sentence again. While a specific flat rate excise tax would improve the design in this, in these people's found in these people's opinions, the rates are low enough to avoid interfering with consumer choice. Why in the world would that statement be put in there? While a specific flat rate excise tax would improve the design, the rates of the current design now, the rates of 10 and 11%, 10%, are low enough to avoid interfering with consumer choice. If the, why is he bringing up consumer choice if the tax is levied against the manufacturer? We're going to get to more of that here in a minute. Combined, the tax base covers everything from arrow shafts to bullets to fish tackles. The revenue from this tax is collected by the federal government, allocated to the Wildlife Restoration Fund and Sports Fish Restoration Fund, and, a, and apportioned to conservation programs in all 50 states based on land area and hunting and fishing license sales. So it's a two-pronged allocation back to the states. How much land area do you have and how many hunting, how many hunting and fishing licenses are being sold? Okay. Recreational boaters also pay into the fund through fuel taxes on motorboats and small engines. Oh, sorry, I misspoke earlier. Yeah, so it's fuel taxes uh, for boat fuel and that type of stuff and small en- and, and and then small engines. By design, the tax works as a user. I'm going to stress this. By design, the tax works as a user fee for hunters and anglers where purchase of equipment acts as a proxy for the buyer's consumption of recreational outdoor activities. What the hell does that mean? Remember, remember what I've said in the past about is hunting conservation or is hunting simply consumptive use? Consumptive use mean we take stuff off the landscape or we have a, a, an ability or a potential to, to remove stuff off the landscape to, to provide a, if you will, arbitrary, you know, I can, let's just say a, 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 what many people would say a negative impact. We impact the resource adversely. So we need to offset that consumptive take that consumptive use, that impact that we put on the landscape we need to offset that by putting back into the system, okay? By design, the tax works as a user fee, user fee, not a manufacturer fee. It's a fee to the manufacturer. It's a tax to the manufacturer. But guess who gets to pay ultimately that tax? 
ends the dive design, the tax works as a user fee for hunters and anglers where purchase of equipment acts as a proxy for the buyer's consumption of recreational outdoor activities. In addition to the federal tax, states often sell licenses to support wildlife management and conservation. Well, actually, that's actually part and parcel of, of how all this goes. Okay, so because it respects the benefit because it respects the benefit principle so well, the tax enjoys general support among America's sporting and outdoor community. Hold on a minute. We were just talking about hunters and anglers, but this is talking about America's sporting and outdoor community. Huh. The the excise tax on hunting and fishing equipment can teach us some lessons about well-designed excise taxes. Now, hold on a minute. There are a hell of a lot of people buying ammunition. There are a hell of a lot of people buying firearms that don't have a damn thing to do with fishing, that don't have a damn thing to do with hunting. They are paying into. There's a bunch of people that are involved in archery that don't do a damn thing with hunting. So here we are talking. So in this just these short paragraphs, we're, we're, we're all of a sudden seeing the conflation between the sporting and outdoor community, quote unquote, with hunting and fishing. That's going to be important here in a minute because this excise tax is paid for by recreational shooters as well as hunters and anglers in that all that money goes into a single pot that goes to the Wildlife Restoration Fund and the Sport Fish Restoration Fund, okay? And then it's doled back out to the states. All right, back to the article. While some may consider a well-designed excise tax an oxymoron, excise taxes can be an effective tax tool. A guiding principle is that excise taxes should only be levied when appropriate to capture some externality or to create a quote-unquote user-pays system, not as a general revenue measure. Due to the narrow base, they are not a sustain... Excuse me. Due to their narrow base, they are not a sustainable source of revenue for general spending priorities. Unfortunately, not all excise taxes are well designed with respect to the benefit principle or principles of sound tax policy. For instance, some tax, some states tax car rentals. Sorry, I'm I miss. For instance, some states tax car rentals to fund projects like stadium construction and amateur sports. Colorado taxes sports betting to fund water conservation. Philadelphia taxes soda to fund educational programs. Instead, revenue from excise taxes should be appropriated to relevant spending priorities, as in hunting and fishing examples above. Further, excise taxes should be designated according to the principles of sound tax policies, which means they should have neutral, equitable rates, clear definitions, and simple collections. Excise taxes are generally leveled, levied on specific products or services such as alcohol, gasoline, and marijuana. I don't know why they use those examples, but they often imposed to internalize. Okay, here we go. They are often imposed to internalize 
negative externalities associated with the use of certain goods or services. Which means, again, what we talk about hunting and fishing, the, the consumptive use idea where we are taking from the landscape Okay, we are removing a resource from the landscape or we are negatively impacting a landscape. Therefore, we should pay an excise tax that goes back into the system to pay for the offset or subsidize the, the, the production of whatever that we're, we're consuming. Right. So it's a so we're, so we're paying for what we take out. Essentially, that's the user pays model. But, it, we, but we continue in this article, okay? So let me start. So they are often imposed to internalize negative externalities associated with the use of certain goods or services, comma, to disincentivize consumption of the taxed good or service, comma, or comma, as in the example above, as a user fee. An externality in, ex- in economics terms is the side effect or consequence of an activity that is not reflected in the cost of said activity. Okay, again. Uh, an example of tax internalizing externalities is an excise tax on gam. Okay, so so for here's a good example. So an example of a tax internalizing externalities is an excise tax on gambling that funds gambling addiction prevention. Perfect. So gambling is, it can cause problems, right? It can cause problems for people, families, communities, etc. It's a, in many areas, it's a legal activity, but it can cause problems. So an excise tax on gambling, and then that tax money is pulled out and then put back into programs that help fund gambling addiction programs, recovery programs, that type, to ameliorate the problems those individuals incur or the societies, the families, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, makes sense? Gas taxes are an example of a tax as a user fee where the purchase of fuel acts as a proxy for road usage. The more gas you purchase, the more you drive on the roads, theoretically, okay? They also address externalities by putting the price on driver's contributions to traffic congestion and pollution. Taxes designed to disincentivize consumption are often called sin taxes, such as those levied on tobacco, marijuana, and alcohol. Of course, a single excise tax can support more than one of these strategies. A sin tax, a tax that is designed to disincentivize consumption or use or activity thereof, right? Here are the figures of how excise tax revenue from Pittman-Johnson or Pittman-Robertson, Dingle-Johnson Act, blah, blah, blah. Here are the figures how excise tax revenue from hunting and fishing gear is, okay, wrong. Pittman-Robertson, Dingle-Johnson, okay, Dingle-Johnson is the fishing stuff. Pittman-Robertson is hunting and fishing, uh, hunting, hunting and shooting sports. Not just hunting, ammunition and firearms. Okay? So here they say, here are the figures for for hunting and fishing. No, no. Here's the tax revenue from shooting sports, hunting and fishing and boating gear is a portion to the states to help funding fund conservation efforts. Okay? So we go down through Alabama, 
This is for 20, uh, 2020. Remember? Yes, yes, yes. This was written in April. Oh, damn it, Chris. You... Sorry, I just clicked out. So it's 2020. This is April 6th of 2020, right? Remember, one on howl.org side, it said a billion. This is saying almost a billion. So there's some discrepancy there. I think that's important, people. How much actually was it? Okay, so Alabama got to, uh, roughly 20 million. Alaska, 43 million. Arizona, 24 million. Arkansas, about 15 million. California, 37 million. That one shocks me. Now, granted, it's a big state and maybe there's a hell of a lot of fishing or or shooting sport. I don't know. But that it, that shocked me that they got 37 million. Colorado got 25 million. Connecticut, 8 million. Delaware, 7 million. Here's one. District of Columbia, 1.2 million. What the freaking hell does District of Columbia... I mean, I'm dead serious. That's not rhetorical. Anybody that under, knows what the hell District of Columbia, that's not a state, damn it. The District of Columbia, why did they get 1.2 million? Honestly, genuine question. Um, Florida, 20, essentially 24 million. Georgia, 26. Uh, Hawaii, 7. That's interesting. Idaho, 18. Illinois, 19. Indiana, 15. Iowa, 13. Kansas, 16. Kentucky, 16. Louisiana, 19. Yeah, it just goes down the list, okay? There's a bunch. Yeah, it just keeps on going. I don't need to read them all off. So the total funds that were distributed under that for the the year 2020 was actually $971,552,178. Again, nearly a billion, okay? Now, remember, I... All fairness, under what Representative Clyde was proposing, the minimum, no, 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 no. It was going to be, well, what did he say? It was going to be 800 million or whatever came in as far as receipts, okay? Okay. So, you're still talking about, even if it was just $800 million, you're still talking about $170 million, $171 million less than what was in 2020. Now, but however, 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 you go back and you look at historic monies that went to states, you tell me if it, it was always a billion or more dollars. No. Okay. So anyway, 2020 was 971 million. All right. That's, that's what an excess excise tax is, but this is where it gets confusing. And this is where it gets bast. In my opinion, the discussion gets bastardized because everybody wants to focus on hunting and fishing, hunting and fishing, hunting and fishing, hunting and fishing. Why? Because hunters and fishermen back in the day and other people were the ones that came up with this, this model. However, no one wants to give now other than the shooting sports, you know, folks. No one wants to give credit where credit is due in the fact that the rise of shooting sports, just pure 
firearms enthusiasm and shooting, not hunting, not fishing, not going out there and buying a hunting license. No, going out to a a range and buying and, and just shooting. Shooting sports has grown exponentially over these past years. And the sale of actual firearms has gone through the roof. What firearms are actually being, that that are being purchased that are going through the roof? It isn't over and unders. It's your assault weapon style guns and your handguns. Most of them are all semi-automatic guns. And there's a hell of a lot of magazines being sold that are more than just 10 rounds. If you look at the, again, okay, <laughs> what else did you put in? There? Okay, so again, I, credit is due, okay? Credit is due with uh, Gabriella. She put these together and she did a great job putting these together. I just disagree with some of her, with some of her, her, her take on this, her, 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 her kind of bias on this, okay? Go listen to it. Again, it's called the, um, District of Conservation podcast. This is episode 285. The reason why I'm referencing this again, because she does a phenomenal job in her show notes, talking, bringing some of the things together that she's talking about here, okay? Um, She referenced, okay, this is again, this is why I'm so pissed off about the discussion around this topic, because no one has the level of intellectual dishonesty in this is just infuriating to me. I'm sorry. Okay, so she references this study. College of Natural Resources at North Carolina State University. Decline in hunting threatens conservation funding. The article is this. fewer Amer- And she references this. Fewer Americans are taking up hunting every year. A trend that... Now, when was this written? This was written in Jul- January of 2021, Okay. Fewer Americans are taking up hunting every year, a trend that has wildlife agencies across the country looking for new ways to fund conservation. Many states have experienced a significant decline in hunter participation over the last two decades, yet the money generated from hunting license sales and federal excise taxes on firearms and ammunition and angling equipment still provide 60 to 80% of funding for state wildlife agencies. Hunting participation peaked in 1982 when nearly 17 million hunters purchased 2.8 sorry 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 purchased 28.3 million licenses. Today, however, only 11.5 million people in the United States actually hunt. That's less than 4% of the national population. All right? For state wildlife agencies, the decline in hunting has stifled license sales and other forms of hunting, uh, excuse me, other forms of funding, leaving them inadequately staffed and unable to protect critical habitat and effectively implement management programs for deer and other animals. Quote, wildlife agencies have relied on a user pay public benefit system for decades to fund their conservation efforts, and it worked when a significant portion of the population was hunting, said Lincoln Larson, a professor of parks, recreation, and tourism management at North Carolina State's College of Natural Resource. But now hunting is slowly fading. Alarms bell, alarm bells are going off at agencies all across the country. It's potentially bad news for conservation, end quote. The decline in hunting is largely a result of the nation's, quote, significant demographic change, according to Larson, Larson, that includes the growing age gap. Baby baby boomers, anyone born between 1946 and 1964, 
make up roughly a third of all hunters in the United States. However, many baby boomers are aging out of hunting without a younger generation to replace them. Larson, Larson said, urbanization and increasing use of technology have especially deterred young adults from participating in hunting. Another factor impacting hunter partition, participation is the growth of racial ethnic minority populations, according to Larson. Quote, historically, these populations haven't hunted at the same rates as white Americans, he said. End quote. While more than 90% of today's hunters are white, census projected projections show that they will make up less than half of the United States population by 2044. Quote, all these shifts are trending away from a core hunting demographic of rural white males and we just not, we're just not replacing them quickly enough with a new look of hunter to make the difference, Larson said. It's a lifestyle that's fallen out of vogue, end quote. A new generation of hunters. In Response to declining number of hunters, wildlife agencies and non-governmental organizations are working to recruit new hunters, retain old hunters, and reactivate those who have quit the sport. Typical R3, okay? People, you hear people talk about R3. That's what R3 is. Okay? Um, R3, retain, reactivate, and recruit. Or recruit, retain, and reactivate, Okay? The problem is, according to Larson, many of these programs, often, okay, there you are, often referred to as R3, fail to attract new hunters. A lot of R3 programs tend to focus on young people who would hunt anyway. Their families already hunt. They're con connected to hunting culture. They don't need a program to lure them in, quote, he said. These programs are effective from a retention standpoint, but they're an ineffective allocation of funds and resources. They're not drawing new crowd. They're preaching to the choir. Okay, that's a different topic that we could have a discussion someday. I tend to agree with that. Larson and other researchers across the country are testing and examining, examining programs designed to target non-traditional audiences, including the local food movement. And, and it starts, okay, I don't know if I need to, um, ah, sure, why not just keep going. The local food or locavore movement encourages consumers to buy from farmers markets or to produce their own food with the argument that fresh local produce products, pro, the products are more nutritious and better tasting. It's become especially popular among urban residents. In 2017, Larson and other researchers surveyed 471 locavores in the Finger Lakes region of central New York, actually where I grew up, uh, to gauge interest in harvesting and consuming wild meat. The survey found that 23% of respondents would consider hunter, hunting, while 59% expressed interest in learning about preparing wild game and conservation benefits associated with wild game consumption. Larson is also currently working with other researchers and wildlife agencies, study undergraduate students and public leaders to cut up perceptions. Uh, preliminary results reveal that more than 60% of college students approve of hunting, while about 30% currently hunt. Another 25% of students with no previous hunting experience would consider trying it. Uh, and those students are far more diverse than current hunting population. College students are in the developmental stage where they're, they'll try anything for better or worse, he said. One of the things could be hunting, and it could become part of the core identity if we build a social support. Okay, we're, this, this article now is starting to focus, is more focused on the implementation of R3 funding and um, what they're working on. Okay, so some states have passed sales taxes to help funding conservation. Well, and I'm reading the article again. Some states have passed sales taxes to help funding help fund conservation, while others have trapped have tapped into real estate transfer fees, lottery tickets, license plates, and various other stuff. Missouri, for example, at least 100 million has been generated by a conservation sales tax every year since 2012. 
There have also been efforts to tax outdoor recreational equipment, such as hiking boots, backpacks, and tents. However, efforts to initiate a backpack tax have largely failed due to opposition for outdoor, from the outdoor industry, which argues that it already pays billions of dollars through disproportionately high import taxes every year, end quote. Now, this is where we get into those situations, the discussion of, uh, this is what was called, um, oh, goodness gracious, I just blanked on it. Um, <laughs> I just brain farted. It'll come to me. But anyway, that's that tax. I've talked about that before where, um, uh, like the Dingle Johnson, Pittman Robertson act, there's been some that say, okay, why don't we have the same type of type of excess excise tax put on tents, backpacks, camping gear, you know, just, just your general stuff. Well, the number one reason has been because they have successfully argued that they are not a cons- part of it has been that they are not a consumptive user. They're not providing any sort of negative impact on the resource. Okay. Again, the argument from hunting and fishing is we were removing resources from the environment and therefore we needed to pay something into the system to restore what we take out. Okay. That was largely before the put and take fishing and all that. Okay. So the argument was excise tax on those hunting fish because we are taking from the system. The, um, the folks that have argued against, uh, I can't, it's on the, it's on the tip of my tongue and my brain is actively blocking me from saying, I can't believe this. Um, it's driving me nuts, folks. I can't, I can't even believe I, um, anyway, Taxing camping gear have been have one of the biggest arguments has been that well we don't provide a negative impact on the landscape. Why do you think I've talked about what's going on in Colorado and the discussion around the Upper Eagle River uh, elk herd and the wildlife population up there and the the focus it seems on the agency and others to to study quote unquote the negative impacts of outdoor recreation on the wildlife population in and around the Vale Valley. I truly believe that if they can show that, or if they can claim that mountain bikes, backpackers, and everything else are causing a negative impact on elk populations in that area, they can tie what is traditionally considered non-consumptive use now to a consumptive use model. Because their impact is negative. The argument, I, I'm, I'm waiting to hear it. I'm waiting to see it. The argument is going to be that the, the activity of recreationists on the landscape are disproportionately negatively impacting the elk herd, which is causing, I'm just going to call it, cow elk to either abandon their offspring and or driving these animals into closer proximity to bears and lions, which then disproportionately kill those calves to where we no longer can sustain uh, an elk population or deer or whatever in this area. Because again, it's all, it's not the lion. It's not the population of lions. It's not the high population of bears. No, no, no. It's because of the high population of hikers are, are pushing the elk or creating a problem with the elk. And then the bears and the lions are eating the shit out of them. They're going to try to tie, I truly believe they will try to tie non quote unquote traditionally viewed non-consumptive use to a consumptive 
impact. I'm not, I, I like the idea of taxing the outdoor, you know, the mountain bikers and the hikers and the, the, you know, the backpacks and the, you know, uh, tents and sleeping pads and sleeping bags and all that. (coughs) Hey, we pay for it. Why can't they pay for it? Okay. Um, team, teaming with wildlife. Boom, baby. I knew it was going to come back. Oh, I was worried there for a minute. I mean, it was like right there. So teaming with wildlife is one of those ideas. Okay. It's never gone anywhere. Um, anyway, Larson said one of the most promising funding proposals for conservation is the recovering America's wildlife act, or this would provide 1.4 billion ad, uh, uh, and this, and this was passed by the way, the restore, the recovering America's wildlife act. It, it was, um, anyway, that's the end of the article. So that was referenced in there talking about the fact that we're losing hunters and that's why we can, we can't, we can't afford to have any be okay. Because we're losing hunters, we cannot afford to put any Pittman Robertson money at risk whatsoever. Really? Then why is it that we are being rallied to go yet again, and and I'm thinking of a number of different podcasts I've listened to, a number of the different articles, oh, 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 wait, 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 wait. Hold on. So, I went, so the, another, okay, this is another, this is another part of the discussion that, that was pointed out. It was all, it was pointed out to me by someone else, but it was also pointed out in, uh, Gabriella's, uh, podcast. So we go to outdoorlife.com because there was an article in Outdoor Life and this is getting traction and, oh, it's a great article and this is blah, 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 blah. Okay. What the hell are we talk about with this with this 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 outdoor life article? What do we what do we what 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 article are we talking about here? All right. Well, let's go. If you go to outdoorlife.com, you go up the upper right hand corner, you click on the little three bars there that opens up a bigger menu. You can you can find yourself to a policy and legislation page. And people have referenced, so Gabriella references this article as well as other people brought it up. Okay, Again, it was published on June 30th, 2022 by Natalie Krebs. The article is titled, This Bill Would Repeal Excise Tax on Guns and Ammo, both the NSS, NSSF National Shooting Sports Foundation and, and NRA oppose it. Okay, so I was like, okay, let, I'll, okay let's go through it. What, what do we got here? And then I just... Mm, it is clearly penned by um, certain individuals that are biased, period. Uh, so the article goes on. It's rare to find Americans who are thrilled to pay their taxes, but hunters and gun owners have been uncommonly proud to pay excise taxes on guns and ammunition for the better part of the century. Now those excise taxes, which contributed more than $1 billion in conservation funding uh, in 2022, al- t- excuse me, 2021 alone have become the target of a new bill that seeks to repeal the parts of Pittman Robertson Act. Um, good Lord, the pop-up ads. Come on, guys. Why we need, if the government can tax an individual, oh, 
Hold on. Last week, Representative Andrew, Cla- Andrew Clyde, our Georgia, introduced the Return Act, would eliminate the 11% federal excise tax on firearms and ammunition that funds conservation in America. Clyde's argument is that the excise taxes on firearms and ammunition threaten Second Amendment rights. The bill has been met with opposition from and confusion from the hunting and conservation. Okay. The bill has been met with opposition opposition and confusion from the hunting and conservation community. Okay. The irony of this whole thing, quote, the irony of this whole thing to say is unconstitutional to tax something that is a stated right in the Constitution is that hunters asked for the Pittman-Robertson Act in 1930s and have loved it ever since, says Whit Fosberg. Yeah, Fosberg, president and CEO of Theodore Roosevelt Conservation Partnership. Okay, left-leaning organization. Forsberg notes that excise taxes have helped shooting sports and hunting industries grow. They've paid for shooting ranges, hunter education programs, wildlife management, and habitat restoration. Quote, you name it, stuff that we, hunters and gun owners, care about has been funded by this. The notion that it's somehow an infringement on rights is absolutely ludicrous, end quote. Clyde says the Return Act is response response to okay. Clyde says the Return Act is in response to a Democrat-sponsored bill that seeks to impose a 1,000% excise tax on AR-style rifles and magazines that hold more than 10 rounds. But rumors of an attempt to eliminate these excise taxes have been brewing well before the uh, quote assault weapons excise tax was unveiled. That's why in May, a full month before both bills were introduced, 43 hunting conservation hunt. Okay, 43 hunting, comma, conservation, and gun rights groups signed a letter opposing changes to excise tax on guns and ammunition. Quote, we are united in our shared support for the current user pay public benefit system of wildlife funding, reads the letter, whose signers include National Rifle Association, National Shooting Sports Foundation, um, quote, among other things, generating all Pittman-Robertson, among other things, Generating all Pittman-Robertson funding from alternative sources would negatively impact our community's unique relationship with state fish and wildlife agencies, meaning the hunters and anglers and shooting sports enthusiasts are paying for those things that are that we're doing out in the in the states, hunting and fishing and shooting. Okay, so we have that's been the argument that that hunting and fishing pays for hunting and fishing. That's why that's the entire foundation of hunting and conservation, right? Changing the funding, what the argument is, is the f- changing the funding source to like oil and gas fees would, would remove our buy-in, so to speak. We, we, you would remove the hunting and fishing buy-in in the equation. I agree with that, by the way, but regardless, we move on. Without financial, and I agree with this statement. Without a finance, without the financial contributions of sportsmen and women and sporting and sporting manufacturers, the seat held at the decision-making table for hunters and recreational shooters may be lost. End quote. I agree with that. The letter emphasizes that Pittman-Robertson dollars have generated 15 billion for conservation since it was enacted in 1937. Now listen to that. 15 billion for conservation since it was enacted in 1937. How long ago was that? And if if we're just now saying that we had 1.5, roughly, was it 1.5 billion? Just last year alone? Almost 1 billion in 2020. Well, there's a little chart here, Wildlife Restoration Act funding. It wasn't. Until 2000 and what, 15? 
Oh, no. Look at this. A look at the revenue Pittman-Robert excise check funds increased dramatically since 2000 with spikes typically coming near presidential elections. <laughs> Why is that per se? Is a when Obama was about to get elected and Obama started talking about doing a you know with 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 rhetoric that was surrounding gun legislation, did people all of a sudden get fired up and like, "Holy shit, I need to buy some fishing tackle." Holy shit, I need to buy a hunting license. I need to go buy myself some arrows. I need to go take up archery hunting. Is that what happened? No. What did they do? People bought the shit out of guns. Semi-automatic guns, right? So if you look at across the the landscape of, of where our funding was, it hasn't been until recently that the spike in Pittman-Robertson funds that have been that, that we are now enjoying across the United States has spiked and it has spiked because the sale and the participation of shooting sports, namely semi-automatic freaking guns, not hunting and fishing licenses, not angling equipment, sinkers and bobbers and fishing line. No. Hold on. Clyde's bill proposes replacing the lost conservation funding with offshore oil and gas taxes, similar to the land and water conservation fund. Now, granted, now keep in mind, (laughs) we were just told as sportsmen to rally behind the land and water conservation fund, right? That that was going to be the greatest thing ever. We needed these funds. We needed these dollars. They were being great. Continuing, the offset he's looking for, the representative, here we go. The offset he's looking for to justify this bill with a little bit, quote, the offset that he's looking to justify this bill with is a little bit laughable and naive given that so many other existing funding mechanisms rely on offshore oil and gas revenues, says John Gale. Conservation Director of Backcountry Hunters and Anglers. I know John Gale. Another organization that signed on the leather in May. Hmm, okay. Quote, those are market-based revenues that depend on consistency. Dot, dot, dot. Offshore oil and gas revenues are the opposite of dependable. You see dips and spikes there. As And as our energy portfolio becomes more diverse and includes more renewable energy development, those outer continental shelf dollars are likely to decline down the road, not necessarily increase, to meet even the current demands, let alone the future demands, states will have for their wildlife budgets. Boy, someday we might have to jump into that one, John. Yeah, what organizations out there have been actively engaged in trying to shut down energy development. Because again, you, you, you strategically mention here, John, offshore oil and gas revenues. But the other one that also is, is onshore, federal development of our oil and gas reserves. What organization has been routinely hostile to any federal energy development whatsoever in the United States? John. And if you want to talk about renewable energy, 
There's no reason why we couldn't have a discussion that if renewable energy is going to continue to grow, I can have my opinion on renewable energy. But if we're going to have a discussion on renewable energy and growing, you, is there no reason why we can't attach the same type of, ga- of, of energy uh, taxes to renewable energy? I think we should, since renewable energy has just as much, if not dip, just let's just say, different environmental impacts. Yeah, the organizations, the sportsmen and conservation organizations that have been absolutely hostile to any sort of of energy development, onshore or offshore, no wonder you don't like this. Yeah, because you're actively working to decrease the amount of money that those things are bringing in. So I, I give zero shits about opinions of, anyway. Under the current framework, states must match incoming PR dollars with $1 for every $3 received. That state money typically comes from hunting and hunting licensed dollars. Now, this is this is legitimate, okay? So part of what the requirement is for receiving P- Pittman Robertson funds is the state has to show their hunting and fishing license sales. And so every dollar the state puts in based on those sales they get $3 in return. So yes, this is critical. The R3 movement is critical. If we continue to decrease in whatever state you're in, if you decrease your hunting and fishing license sales, you are going to see a decrease in the Pittman-Robertson funds that you receive. That's why hunting and fishing is important, okay? And I, I, I love this one. I love this one. The, the existing system ensures that states are incentivized not to divert their hunting and fishing license funds towards things like road construction projects or correctional facilities. That's, that's legit. That, that's legit. It incentivizes. But here's the other one. Plus, if a state wanted to sell off one of its wildlife areas, which was originally paid in part with Pittman-Robertson dollars, that would be considered a diversion of federal aid, and that state would have to pay back those PR dollars to the federal government. Now, that's legit. I That's fine. I like that idea. But I think it's funny that all of a sudden... The sale of of public land all of a sudden comes in there. Huh, where, where where'd that come from, John? Quote: PR dollars are a carrot and a stick because the feds can actually go and claw back the money that they've given to the state in the past. If 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 the states divert hunting license dollars, Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation's director of government affairs Ryan Bronson told Outdoor Life last year, PR Act protects those dollars better than almost anything else. You can raid almost anything in an emergency, but you can't with game and fish dollars. Now that's again true. There, it's not that I have a fundamental different disagreement with some of this stuff. I the the problem I has is the the selective outrage. And and that and 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 the purposeful giving the sportsman community just enough information for you to do exactly what these biased organizations want you to do. An attempt to pander to gun owners. Quote. Haha. Okay. Without excise taxes on guns and ammo. Here we go. Without excise taxes on guns and ammo, funding state wildlife agencies would require taxing all Americans, not just gun owners. Curiously. Clyde's bill also seeks to eliminate similar excise taxes on archery gear. And I agree. Curious. Fishing tackle and boating equipment. Gale, John Gale, suspects Clyde is attempting to eliminate excise tax on all sporting goods while leveraging the Second Amendment to garner public support. Quote, because Congress has been working through deals on some other type of modest gun legislation, Clyde's trying to shoehorn in on it by attempting to make this bill about Second Amendment 
end quote, says Gail. Let's go back and read that carefully again. Quote, because Congress has been working through deals on some type of modest gun legislation, Representative Clyde's trying to shoehorn in on it by attempting to make this bill about Second Amendment, end quote, says Gail. Quote, but what it really does is become maybe the most significant threat to wildlife conservation we've faced in a long time, given how much money the Pittman-Robertson directs to state wildlife agencies. Dot, dot, dot. The gun companies that contributed to it have never asked for this return legislation. They've never balked at Pittman-Robertson. No, they haven't. They haven't. But what are we doing talking about because Congress has been working through deals on some types of modest gun let? Do we screw you on your modest gun legislation there, John? I don't give two shits about modest gun legislation. We've got enough gun legislation right now. We don't need quote unquote modest gun legislation because of these recent shootings. Um, sorry, as a sportsman's organization, I don't like the fact that we have sportsman's organizations going out there and be like, you know, we're fine with it. You know, you know, it, that's the problem. That's the problem. And, and um, let me, let me just, let me just start wrapping this up because this is my issue. This is absolutely my issue. We have so many of the vocal, what are, what have I said in the past? There are two types of people in this world. There, there, two, there's, there's two adages that I use all the time. There's two types of people in this world. Those that just wish to be left alone and those that refuse to. And the other one is, the world is run by those who show up. Well, guess what? In the sphere of public influence on social media, who has been showing up regarding this discussion? It's all, it's all the more left-leaning, the, the left progressive idea, the, the, progressive left ideology influencing the articles you read, the po- the social media posts that you see, and that are generally driving much of the podcast discussions that you hear. Can I ask a simple freaking question? Why in the world did we not get a single damn freaking action alert regarding Representative What's-His-Frickin'-Nut about the 1,000% increase on firearms and magazines that are more than 10,000. 10,000. <laughs> I want a 10,000-round magazine. <laughs> 10-round magazines. I didn't see an, a, an action alert. Did you? I went to Howl.org. I don't see a damn freaking thing in there talking about how we need to, to rally as sportsmen Again, to protect, I don't give a shit whether you like freaking AR-15s or ten, or, or 15 round magazines or, or drum magazines or not. I don't give a shit whether you do or not. But if you're sitting here going to tell me that we need to rally against this stupid dumbass Republican that wants to gut Pittman, Pittman Robertson Act funds, well then where's the freaking outrage about the dumbass Democrat that wants to, what, increase it by a thousand percent? What did I read in the beginning? What is an excise tax for? It's to provide specific buy-in on a particular activity or to disincentivize the activity. A $500 gun goes to what, $5,000? Is that right? 
Is that right? Is my math right? The point behind the Democrat putting together the assault weapons ban or or legist not ban assault weapons tax. The whole point, if you go down through and read what they say, the whole point is to price guns and those type of magazines out of the ability for the average American to be able to afford them. We're not coming after your second amendment. No, 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 no. You can own it, but you're going to fucking, excuse me, you're going to pay for it. We're going to make it only so that the all uber rich can afford it. The average Joe Schmedley, the average citizen, nope, you're not going to be able to afford it. So guess what? Uh-uh. Wah, wah. You don't get one. That's the whole point behind that per- that Democrat legislation. And I th- listen, I don't care about Democrat and Republican in this case. All I'm caring about is the disproportionate outrage, selective outrage that you, the sportsman, are supposed to be whipped up in. You're going to ignore the Democrat. Ignore the fi- the 1,000% the tax increase. That's, I mean, it's, I mean, it's not likely, I mean, it's, you know, I mean, it's still, you know, it's not likely to pass and it's, just don't worry about that. The fact is, there's a hell of a lot of sports, quote unquote, sportsmen's groups out there. And quite honestly, sportsmen slash conservation groups out there. That literally give zero shits whether or not the average American has the ability to own a semi-automatic weapon. The average American has the ability to own a, a high capacity magazine. They don't give shit. And quite honestly, there are some that are absolutely hostile to it. And there are some organizations and groups of people that are highly influential people uh, in the hunting and fishing world and podcast world and television world that quite honestly are hostile to it that are doing some incredibly great things. They are sportsmen. This is where I disagreed. Okay, so there was a, a website back in the day, you know, that was highlighting the quote unquote green decoys. And it highlighted folks like backcountry hunters and anglers, Theodore Roosevelt Conservation Partnership, uh, National Wildlife Federation, others that literally lean very very far left on the environmental uh, conservation standpoint and have been in, well, let's just put it that way. And the website, it was it was put together by some right-wing right leaning folks, was making the argument, these people are not sportsmen, they are just uh, environmentalists in, in camo. Well, the problem is, is I did, they are sportsmen. Okay, many of these people, in fact, do buy hunting and fishing licenses every year. They travel and they spend a gob of money hunting and fishing every year. They just have a completely different value set. And that value set is not, in some cases, in line with a large percentage of the Second Amendment opportun- uh, 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 community. They are just fine. If you if you wanted a semi-automatic, semi-automatic shotgun, like a Benelli, okay, you're fine. If you want a... Um, no, just end it there. If you want a semi-automatic shotgun for your hunting, okay, that's fine. And you know, if you want a semi-automatic 22, okay, that's, that's, that's completely fine. But if we start getting into, you know, do we really need an AR for hunting? You know, we really don't. And so, no, we're not going to support AR type platforms. You know, and do you really need a 30 round magazine to go hunting? 
you know, you really don't. So we're not going to support any situation, any legislation that that preserves the right of the American citizen to be able to actually have a firearm that could actually be used for the actual purpose of what the Second Amendment was originally intended for. I'm so disgusted. I'm so sick of the selective righteous indignation. If you want to sit there and tell me that I've got to rally against this represent this this Republican representative because of this this egregious attack on Pittman Robertson, without them actually meanwhile remembering, if you get into the the meat and potatoes of it, number one, a bunch of the people after that letter have already pulled their spot their support of that bill. And number two, it's initially, right off the get-go, the people that are on the ground with boots in Washington that are talking to these people already said it's highly unlikely that Representative Clyde's bill would actually pass. Just like, just like they would say, well, the, the Democratic, you know, you know, the, the, the assault weapons act tax increase. Well, that's, that, that's unlikely to pass. It's a typical progressive ideology. I will accentuate my enemy. I will completely just diminish any, uh, no, there's no, oh, don't worry about my side of the, no, uh, oh, that's, that's no, no, there, you don't have to worry about that. But, but that guy, oh, oh, that guy, oh, oh, rally, rally, rattle, rattle, rattle the sabers, grab the pitchforks and torches and let's go. Shut the freaking hell up. If you want to couch this as being bad, Representative Clyde's bill as being bad for Pittman Robertson, okay, which I agree, I don't like the bill, then we better ought to have a discussion of why the Democrat bill would also be bad for Pittman-Robertson. Because, again, what gun... Okay, it's not just hunting equipment. It's not just fishing equipment that's going in Pittman-Robertson, is it? It's shooting sports money, guns, ammunition... The more ammunition people blow through, the more money goes into Pittman-Robertson, right? And the more guns that people buy, the more money goes into Pittman-Robertson, right? And what guns are driving the sale, or excuse me, what guns, what, what sale of what guns has driven the exponential increase in Pittman-Robertson monies over the past 10 years? It ain't your mom and dad's pump shotgun. It ain't your grandfather's side-by-side or over and under. It ain't a Rapala, you know, a rattle trap. It, it's freaking AR-style guns. It's semi-automatic pistols. It's ammunition. And quite honestly, you ought to be, if you seriously care about Pittman-Robertson Act dollars, you ought to have just launched your silly shit against that Democrat immediately. And then you would never have had to have Representative Clyde put together his. Because you would, you should, if you truly care about Pittman-Robertson Act funds and you want to see the continued increase, $1 billion, $1.5 billion, maybe $2 billion in the in the future, that's going to be coming from shooting sports, not your fit hunting and fishing. Now, our three programs aside, which we would hope that we would do, 
and efforts like the Meat Eater and other people that are really out there just drumming up support for hunting and fishing on the landscape from the non the traditional non-consumptive user. You ought to be absolutely out there hammering that we need to put more semi-automatic weapons on the in the hands of the average citizen. Because if you look at the statistics, what is actually happening as far as the shooting, the, these mass, quote-unquote, mass shootings, it isn't the average sportsman. It isn't the average gun owner. It is less than 1%. If you want Pittman-Robertson Act, you ought to be telling everybody you need to have a 30-round magazine. Why? Because typically when you put the uh, 30-round magazine in the hands of, of a, a recreational shooter at the at the shooting range, what do you do? You freaking blow through ammo. Pop, 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 and you just burn through ammo. What, what, what does that mean? They got to go buy more ammo. What does that mean? Oh, I don't know. That means there's more money going into Pittman-Robertson. So which one is it? Which one gives you the most, what, what one butt hurts you the most? Is it an attack on the Pittman-Robertson funds? Or is it just that you don't like the fact that someone's coming after the idea of quote-unquote reasonable gun laws being worked on in a bipartisan fashion right now? Or an increase of 1,000% pricing most of these guns, that most of the guns and ammo that are driving the increase in Pittman-Robertson, you want to price them out of the hands of the average person, which means what? It would shut down the growth of Pittman-Robertson funds. You're disingenuous at best. You're freaking manipulative, in my opinion, on your selective outrage. I don't like either one of them. I think they're both bad bills. So how about you tell us to rally against both of them rather than just one? And quite honestly, I would love to have a conversation about the idea of tapping into oil and gas funds even more. Again, you liked the idea when we were going to pass a new bill that was going to tap into some of those monies and they were going to put them money, that money on the landscape for hunting and fishing. Oh, you liked that idea then. Well, let's talk about offshore oil and gas exploration. But while we're at it, how about we have an honest discussion about energy development on our federal lands, in public lands, if you will, in the United States or private lands for that matter? How about we talk about energy independence in this United States and the way we develop our energy in this United States on our, I don't care whether it's federal lands or private. And how about we talk about encouraging energy independence? Why? Because if we do it responsibly, which we can, we would also make a shit ton more money that would go towards hunting and fishing and outdoor and not, not, not outdoor, wildlife conservation. But no, no, no. Our general left-leaning friends don't like that. They don't want more energy development. They shut it down actively. And our friends on that side of the spectrum don't even near want to talk about having any sort of exorbitant taxes like they have on oil and gas for renewable energy. Are you kidding me? No. We need to encourage those things, right? Not punish the evil that they are. Right? Bullshit. Bullshit. It just, it just frustrates the shit out of me. And I've, I cannot tell you how many, I'm, again, 
This is why I wanted to do this podcast because I'm like, okay, enough of, enough of the, the piecemeal discussions. Is it a bad bill? I think it is. Because, and I, and I think it's a bad bill. Both of them are bad bills. Okay, I don't like the Democrat one because number one, I don't like the Democrat one and I don't like any discussion about bipartisan, reasonable, you know, common sense gun control. No, screw you. We don't need any more common sense gun control in through legislation. How about we enforce what we have and how about we just deal with some social changes? How about we get, get we can talk about mental, that, that's a different discussion. pricing these things out of the reach of the average sportsman. And I'm sorry, John, you know, I know that doesn't, that doesn't jive. What, you know, the, what, what, what did you say? I remember it vividly. The unwashed, it just because it, it will price it out of the reach of the unwashed masses of sportsmen. Yeah. I still remember that one. The unwashed masses. It prices things out of the reach of the average person. It's bullshit. It's going to negatively impact Pittman-Robertson funds, and you know it. So rally against that one, too, and call to action that one. And then we're going to talk about the whether we need to talk about the bipartisan common-sense gun control. I, I better see freaking sportsman shit railing against that shit. But if we're going to talk about Representative Clyde's bill, then let's have a conversation about it. Fairly, evenly. <sighs> but anyway, yes, I agree. I agree, even though I don't like some of the people and the players and the organizations that are involved. I agree. Tying sports, hunting and fishing, the, t- tying the North American model of wildlife conservation to oil and gas is disastrous because there are way too many people, sportsmen's groups included, that love to attack that and try to shut it down at any given moment that they can. Each administration, especially if we get these liberal leftist progressive administrations, end up shutting down energy on energy development in the United States like we see right now. And that's going to gut the amount of money that's coming through. We, we can't have the Pittman-Robertson money being subject to the whims of politicians. I agree with that. So even though I think if, 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 now, if I wanted to play devil's advocate, seriously, if I want to play devil's advocate, I would say, all right, let's go ahead. Let's go ahead and tie North American model of wildlife conservation, that funding, the entire model, I don't care what you, what, I, the entire model. Let's go ahead. Quite honestly, let's go ahead and tie it to energy development in the United States. I think it would be fun. I think it would be funny. And I think it would be fun. Why? Oh, now let's see the environmentalist sportsmen's groups try to rail against and shut down reasonable energy development and initiatives to make this country energy independent. I think it'd be, I think it would be very interesting. I think it'd be very interesting. If you could ever secure that industry and remove it from the just ridiculous environmental, again, 
I, I, I'm, I'm going, I'm, I'm going off on a tangent that probably doesn't need to go down. The fact remains is it, we can do so much better with our energy development in this country, not only in quantity of our development, and I think we should, but quality of those development efforts. The problem is you got way too many people fighting that, and it, and, and I think unjustly so with my value set, unjustly so. Um, so yeah, the bills are bad. And if you want to get a hold of your representatives, your, your, your congressman, and tell them, hey, I don't like this, good, by, absolutely, by all means. All I would ask is if you have an even-handed keel on it, if you are so, uh, if, you're, if you're so, if you have the proclivity to do so. And also say, I don't, we don't want a thousand percent increase. If you truly care about Pittman-Robertson, you better damn well oppose both of those bills just as vehemently. I don't care whether or not they have a chance of actually passing. If you're going to rail, rally sportsmen and say we have to we have to attack a Republican and his dumbass idea, even though it doesn't have a chance in hell of probably passing, well then we better all, we we better be called to rally to attack the dumbass Democrat. And there's dumbass Bill, even though it doesn't have a chance in hell of passing. That's my issue. That's my issue with this whole thing. So, when you, again, and it's going to keep coming up. It's going to keep coming up. I, my criticism with what I'm seeing with sportsman's advocacy these days is squarely in the ball, squarely in the wheelhouse of this disingenuous, disproportionate, purposeful manipulation of what information the sportsmen are given to purposefully induce the sportsman community to take a, a very specific action that generally leans hard in one direction. And ra- rather than, rather than sportsman advocacy groups simply saying, here's an issue. Here's what this issue is. Here's what, here's what this issue is about. Here's why the issue came about. Here's why it might be bad. Here's the, here's the good side of it. Here's the bad side of it. Here's this analysis, a neutral, we have, we need a freaking neutral I've all, I always go back. Sorry, real quick. In Colorado, one of the things that I always respected about Colorado, and I don't know if they still do it, but in Colorado, when whenever there was the, the elections came up, especially if there's ballot initiatives or whatever, you'd get this little book booklet in the mail. And that little booklet would have all of the, the things you're going to vote on. And you'd open up and here's the issue. All right, this bill or this this policy or that whatever this ballot initiative or whatever. Here's the issue. Here's what this issue does. And then would have a statement from those that support the issue. Here's why they support the issue. And then it would have a statement of those who oppose the issue, why they oppose it. And in that little pamphlet, in a couple paragraphs, you can say, okay, here's the issue. Okay, these people want it because of A, B, and C. 
Okay. All right. That's okay. That sounds right. That, that sounds reasonable. And then you look over these people. These people oppose this issue because of X, Y, and Z. Oh. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I didn't. Okay. Yeah. They make a good point too. And then at the very minimum, you have a little bit more information. You say, okay, these guys support it for this, and I agree with this and this. And these guys, they they don't support it because of this and this and this. Okay. Well, I agree with that. And now you can now you have information from which to weigh a decision. Do I vote yes? Do I vote no? That's just on the ba- just that's just like that's just like surface frog hair fine initial surface level scratching level of you at least have something from which to make a decision. Rather than what I see today is Oh, the sky is falling on this. Go here. Click here. Send this robo freaking email to all these people and blah, 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 blah. And you have zero freaking actual information about what the issue is, who's running it, why they're running it, and what it actually had, what, what actually the consequence is, and really what the level of likelihood of that action is even going to see the light of day. Now, granted, a lot of these organizations, they make their money off of your sensationalism. They make the money off of getting you emotionally whipped up. That's how they drive their their subscriptions. That's how they drive their traffic on their websites. The more emotional you are, the more likely you're going to go click and you're going to see their advertisers. You're going to click fund. I'm going to send you money. I want you to, the more whipped up you are, the more your pocketbook opens up and money gets thrown at these organizations and these entities to, to, to do what whatever the hell they want with it. Because I know some of these organizations, what they tell you to your face and on the public is not what they do when they go to Washington or when they go to hell. It isn't what they do in their freaking own organization structure, number one, and it certainly hell. And some of these national organizations ain't what they do in Washington. Drives me absolutely batshit crazy. Because at some point, if everybody is always skies falling, skies falling, skies falling, skies falling, and you don't have any information from which to, to, to evaluate anything, you're going to get burned out like I am, and you're just not going to care anymore. You're just not going to give a shit. However, if you have some people that are going to give you good, solid information and say, listen, heads up, in Congress right now, there's a battle. You have Democrats and Republicans. You have Democrats that want to enact some gun legislations, and we have Republicans that want to stand up against it. There's a bunch of bullshit going on. Here's a couple of examples of that bullshit from the Democrats and the Republicans. For sportsmen, it's bad on both sides. All right? So if you want to reach out and get a hold of your representatives and tell them to, 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 to just knock this shit off, do it. But keep in mind, our organization has boots on the ground. Our organization has people out there. And in conversation of what we can tell right now, it sounds like neither one of these actually will ever see the light of day. We just want to make sure that you are aware of it, that if you want to get involved now, do so. And we will keep you apprised of the, of the movement on both of these. And if something rears its ugly head, like it's going to have the light of day, we will let you know when it's actually important to get off your ass and actually do something rather than wasting your time every three days whipping you up into something that is completely bullshit irrelevant thank you for your time thank you for your support stay tuned with such and such an organization because we'll keep you up up to date with what's going on
Where's that organization? I'll give money to that organization. Not this constant, just sensationalism. And I understand. From a business model, some of these organizations are competing with one another. They're competing for, 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 they're competing for dollars. They're competing for your money. Where, who's, who's, who's spending the money? Okay. So if I spend my money at, at, at Sportsman's Alliance or SCI, I'm not going to probably spend my money over somewhere else. But if I'm spending my money with those guys and they have boots on the ground, maybe they can do something with it. But the problem is, is when you have all these other organizations, all these other things popping up that dilute the, the stratosphere, all of a sudden now money's not going to some of these that have boots on the ground. Money's going other places where just these non-impactful, non-effective other avenues or these sensational avenues that are all slanted one direction. I understand now all of a sudden these actual organizations that have boots on the ground, that have, have, um, actual relationships in Washington that have the ability to pick up the phone and that representative or that Senator will actually pick up the phone and answer their phone call. They are diminished in what they can do and what they can affect. So of course, if some other, uh, some other groups are popping up and they're sensationalizing something and they're drawing bandwidth. These other organizations have no choice but to do the same damn thing. And it pisses me off. I wish the general populace would just stop getting emotionally whipped up so easy and actually start looking critically at things. But I know that's just not who we are. The general public. So, they're both bad bills. If you are so inclined, go ahead contact your representatives. That's the other thing that pisses me off. You sign here and we'll send it to all the people. Okay, you have to, I've said this before, but people, you need to understand. If you're from, if you're from Colorado or if you're from Washington or Oregon and you're sending a letter to somebody in Georgia, they give zero shits about what you say. You're not their constituent. It's going to go into the round file right next to their desk. Or quite honestly, it's going to come in as an email, as a, as a form letter. And it pops up on their computer as a form letter. And they're going to see another one and like, click, click, click. What, what, what? Delete, 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 delete. This one-click activism is highly ineffective for, for a lot of issues. And if you're not from that, if you're not from that person's district, I, again, I've talked about it before. It's you're whipping yourself up into activism and action that's irrelevant. You're spending precious time, emotional and mental energy, and probably money on things that are not moving the needle. And you're going to get burned out on it. Trust me, I've been there. And, and quite honestly, you're wasting your effort. The, the big one is for you to call your representatives. Pick up the phone and call. Or if you're going to send an email, you send an organic email from, from you. Get a hold. Of, most of the time, it's going to be a staffer. When you call your representative or your senators, you know, they're not, it's going to be a staffer. It's, it's, it's either going to go to voicemail or it's going to go to a staffer. If it goes to voicemail, say, listen, I want to talk to somebody. This is who I am. This is where I live. I'm a direct constituent. I want to talk to somebody about this issue. Because I think it's bullshit. I think you're going down the wrong direction. And I want to. I want to have a better conversation with you to understand what's going on. Let them know you don't support it. 
and then tell them you want to have a conversation because now all of a sudden, oh shit, this guy's got some, okay, well, you're, hopefully you'll get a phone call back. Sometimes you're going to get a staffer that answer the phone and they do the exact same thing. Listen, this is who I am. This is where I'm calling. I'm, I'm your constituent. I've heard about this bill. I'm worried about it or I don't like it. I don't want you to support it, but I want to know what's going on. Have them, have them engage with you. Some of the staffers are, honestly, some staffers are dumb as a box of rocks and it pisses me off that they are. Every now and then though, you're going to get some good staffers. They'll be like, all right, this is what's going on. This is why he's doing it. This is what we're doing. Okay, cool. Well, then I don't like this and I don't like that. And I want him to make sure he understands that this is what, now you just, you just move the needle to click. Now you're a, you're a legitimate check in the box. Guess what? It takes a tiny little bit of more time and effort to do that than it does for the one-click advocacy or just or oh, fired up. But you're damn well going to do something more important. So anyway, I don't like Rep- Representative Clyde's bill. I don't. But I damn sure hate the Democrat bill and any bills that we're going to be sitting here talking about comprehensive, common sense, you know, reasonable gun control laws and what, shut up. We can save that for later. But that's the other thing too. So, oh, sorry. I, uh, sorry. (laughs) Oh, oh, I, I saw, oh, I made some notes and I got off. I got off. So let me, let me just, let me just touch, touch into let me just touch into a couple of the notes I, I meant. All right, I wanted. So some of some of the commentary behind this is that you know, ta- excise taxes do not infringe on your Second Amendment right, and that um, that the consumer doesn't feel the excise tax. the The consumer doesn't pay for the excise tax. It's the manufacturers that pay for it. That's the most ignorant thing I've ever heard in my life. Sorry, respectfully to those people that have been saying it, that, that's just stupid. Of course the consumer feels the excise tax. Of course they do. It's passed down through the chain to where the sportsman is going to pay what that end, end retail is. Of course they are. You think the manufacturers are going to take a thousand percent increase and they're not going to raise the rate, uh, they're, they're, they're going to raise the price of their, of their product? Come on. And, th- and that was the other thing too. Um, one of the articles said that, um, that I read was, you know, you know, the, the consumer doesn't feel the, the, the price increase, you know, because quite honestly, excise taxes don't really regulate the price. It, you know, more, the, the biggest thing is supply chain issues and, and raw materials and that type of stuff. Yeah, no shit, Sherlock. Price you, the raw materials and supply chain issues aside, uh, you damn right that excise taxes actually cause pain at the end user side. Can we say gas prices right now? And the excise tax and the gas pri- the gas taxes? Certain states have different gas taxes, and you're telling me that that doesn't change? What happens at the pump? Of course it does. That has that plays a part into it. So this uh, this idea that you know even if they increase the, the excise tax, the, the consumer's not going to feel it. 
You're full of shit. Again, what do we talk about? The reason for an excise tax is to use or pay, pay to play, and to what? Disincentivize activity. You price it out of reach or you price it to where the activity becomes painful. So it disincentivizes the person. Of course it's going to trickle down. Give me a break. And it does not infringe on Second Amendment rights. No. It makes people's ability to engage in equipping themselves to exercise their Second Amendment rights out of reach. So yeah, that's an infringement as far as I'm concerned. And some of these, again, I I touch on it. You have to remember, some of these quote-unquote hunting organizations are not Second Amendment organizations. And, and there's some that just clearly make that distinction. We're a, we're, a, we're, a sport, we're a hunting organization. We're not a Second Amendment organization. So we, we don't get involved with these, these issues. We're, or or we, we, don't, we don't advocate for the, the 2A community. Well, you damn well better. You, you, I don't give a shit whether or not you like them or not. But you damn well better. If you like the money that you're getting from Pittman-Robertson Act right now, you damn well better just do a full-on bear hug on everybody that's buying ARs and spending thirty and spending money on 30-round magazines because guess what? Guess who's paying a significant chunk of the, of the money you enjoy spending for your own activities? That's right. Because I can say the same damn thing, you hunting and or you know hunting organizations, you sportsmen's organizations. Well, somebody comes after trapping. Well, I'm not a trapping organization, so you know what? We really don't. We're not going to f- chime in on on trapping. Well, you know we're we're picket. Well, we're we're not really a bow hunting organization, so we're not going to advocate and and come to the come to the aid of the bow hunting community. How's that any different? Yeah, and the, and the fact that and again the other people are saying, well, the second the second amendment, you know, legislation that affects second amendment type deals don't impact hunting, so we don't need to worry about it. And we and we again again I've said it, I'll say it one last time. It's tied to get the reason why the second amendment community, the two A community, the shooting sports community, and the hunting community and the fishing community are tied together is because your grace your your godlike idols from back in 1937 and your your FDRs all those people that you want to idolize on how progressive they were and forward thinking they were about saving and, and creating this model of North American model of wildlife conservation well guess what they're the ones that commingled the 2A community and the hunting community. You're damn right they are related. And you're damn right I think you ought to be mutually standing shoulder to shoulder fighting a unified front. Because other than just philosophy be damned, how about the fact that uh, PR funds right now are getting a hell of a kick, a hell of a benefit from the 2A community. You're damn right they're commingled. And if you want a billion dollars, $1.5 billion being doled out to the states, especially in the face of, of decreasing hunting licenses in some cases, you better damn well embrace the 2A community. All right, that's enough. If you disagree, 
And I'll tell you what, I don't care. If you disagree, you agree, let me know. Chime in. Till next time, talk soon. Be safe. Bye. All right, hold on. I I just kit I just killed the recording. All right, I was I was getting stuff. Uh, <laughs> I was getting ready to transfer some stuff over, and then it just it just hit me. So all right, forgive me. I gotta keep going. I'm I, I'm telling you, this one pushes some buttons for Chrissy. So just bear with me, because here's the idea. All right, here's the idea. So let's go back. Let's go back to the outdoor life magazine article who's written by, you know, the, the input largely is influenced by the Theodore Roosevelt Conservation Partnership and Backcountry Hunters and Anglers, John Gale and, and, and others. Anyway, so here we go. Right, hold on a minute. Hold on a minute. All right. Let me, let me scroll. I just, it just hit me. Scrolls down. Okay. Here we go. Quote. All right. So this isn't, okay. So remember Representative Clyde, has put together this bill because he doesn't want he in response to a okay so this idiot republican has put together this bill in response to an idiot democrat okay that wanted to tax big black scary guns in those big magazines right and then there's people that talk about the fact that well you know the 2A the the, the second you know the his his bill is focused on Second Amendment rights and that it's conflating Second Amendment rights and Second Am- the exercise of Second Amendment rights with the, the sporting, sportsman, you know, the PR, blah, 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 the Pittman-Robertson, all that type of stuff, right? And there, there's people that want to say that the 2A community and the sportsman community, those are two, those are non-related, right? Those, those, those are different things. This issue... D- the issue that he wants to address with his bill doesn't, the, the issue doesn't affect hunting, right? And that they should be kept separate, right? Well, again, let's go back. I'm sorry. Let's go back to that Outdoor Life article. Quote, the irony of this whole thing to say it's unconstitutional to tax something that is a stated right in the Constitution is that hunters asked for the Pittman-Robertson Act in 1930s, in the 1930s, and have loved it ever since, says Whit Forsberg, president and CEO of the Theodore Roosevelt Conservation Partnership. Forsberg knows that the excise taxes that have helped the shooting sports and hunting industries grow. Blah, 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 moving on. You're right. Hold on a minute. Hold on a minute. Yes. The people that wanted to put forth the Pittman-Robertson Act and, and, and the sportsman, if you want to call it a sportsman's act in 1930s, no, they were not looking at necessarily the quote-unquote 2A community, the 2A movement, if you will call it what you wanted to call it a movement. But guess what? It was commingled and they are together in those funds. The irony of this whole thing, the unconstitutional to tax something that is a stated right in the Constitution. No, no. In 1930s, they were not taxing a constitutional right. They were taxing the privilege and the the accoutrement around the privilege of going out and hunting and going out and fishing. 
That's what they were taxing. They were taxing consumptive use activities. They were not taxing. The intent was never to tax the 2A community shooting sports per se. That community has grown since then. But the monies have been commingled. So I tell you what. If if we really seriously, if these organ the left leftist progressive sportsman organizations want to seriously try to play and make the point of and commit to the idea of that these monies are they're, they're two separate issues. The two A community is not related to the sportsman community, and that trying to target whether you want to protect it or damage it or whatever, going after the 2A community is not related to the sportsman community and we shouldn't punish the sportsman community by messing with the 2A community, I tell you what. Let's go back and take a look. No, 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 no. I, 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 let me pause. No, I tell you what. I want to hear backcountry hunters and anglers. I want to hear Theodore Roosevelt Conservation Partnership. I want to hear Howl.org. I want to hear all of the people that are calling to action that we need to rail against this dumbass, this idiot Republican, right? I want to hear you. I, I, I want to see. I want to see this. How about we do this? Let us remove the money generated by the 2A community from the Pittman-Robertson Act collections, the Wildlife Restoration Fund. Remove it. If the 2A community is not really part, I mean, this is, it's a separate issue from sportsmen's issues, then fine, separate it. Let's take those, the all the sales from big black scary guns, the 50 cals and everything else that quote unquote has nothing to do with sportsman's issues and all those 10, those 15, 20, 30, 30 round magazines, drum magazines that have no real relevance or business in the sportsman world, right? How about we take the sale of all of those things and we remove it from the PR funds, let them have, let the 2A community have their own pot of money. Let their two, let separate it to where the 2A community and their money goes to shooting ranges, goes to, I don't know, tactical ranges, tactical education, shooting education. Put it there that. And let us have all our sportsman dollars our pump shotguns and our Italian over and unders and side-by-sides and our Filson caps and our, our, our leather boots and all the ooh, uh, whoop-de-woo sportsman things that we have, right? Let's take all of our sportsman dollars and we will keep sportsman hunting and angling dollars, hunting, angling dollars only, and we will keep them in the Wildlife Restoration Fund, the Pittman-Robertson, under the Pittman-Robertson Act. And let's separate all the money generated by those big, black, scary guns that really aren't necessary for hunting, right? Because I think that would be a very interesting conversation. Why do I think that? 
because I go back to the same article and I look at the graph. I look at the graph that says a rise in cash for conservation. A look at revenue Pittman-Robertson excise tax have generated in conservation funding since the act's inception. Funds have increased dramatically since 2000 with spikes, what? Typically coming near presidential elections. Let's go take a look at what the Pittman-Robertson funding was in 2000. 193 million point one dollars. 193, sorry, 193.1 million dollars. Now hold the frickin' phone. No, no, no. T pause. Let's jump to 2010. 2010. The 2008 election. Who was... Oh, go back and refresh my memory. Who was elected in 2008? Ah, what the... What was his... What was it? What was their... Ah, God, God, just, ah, what was their name? Ah, oh, it doesn't matter. 2008. A little over $200 million in Pittman-Robertson funds. And then magically delicious, by 2010, it jumped to $472.7 million. Huh. And then the 2012 election, it dropped back to under $400 million. And then at the... Eight, then at the well, actually, prior to the 2020 mark, it jumped up to nearly 800 million. And then it waffled. 2016 election, it dropped back down to about 700 million. And then in 2000, right before 2020, it dropped to about 600, a little over 600, about 602 million. And then suddenly, after 2020, remember what the, 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 the articles and everybody was talking about in 2020, it was just shy of $1 billion. And then in 2021, it was $1.5 billion. <laughs> I'm sure sportsmen bought the shit out of pump shotguns. No, 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 my friends. Go ahead. Separate the 2A community. Separate the, the big, black, scary gun sales out of Wildlife Restoration Fund and the Pittman-Robertson Act. And you tell me that Representative Klein's proposal of a minimum of $800 million annually is gutting Pittman-Robertson funds, wildlife restoration, prior to all of the Amer all of the citizenry of the United States jumping on the bandwagon of buying semi-automatic weapons and arming themselves from the idea of not only a, a possible tyrannical government, but the, the possibility of assault weapons bans and all sorts of other high, you know, highly restrictive stuff. Let's go ahead and look back. I don't remember anybody bitching about the fact that 
Pittman-Robertson Act funds were were egregiously underfunded and we were gutting the, the, the Pittman, they were just gutted and there was just no, there was just no, but you didn't have 800 million in PR funds until the 2A community kicked it in the nuts. Prior to 2010, no, go back. What did I just say? 2012 election, it was 400 million, roughly. Half, half of what Representative Clyde is saying. I'm, again, I'm not defending him. I'm not saying I like his bill. But don't sit there and tell me that you have this righteous indignation, this disgust of how he dare propose such a pittance. Uh, 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 well, what did John Gale say? Hold on a minute. Let me quote. Scrolling, scrolling. The offset he's, he, Representative Clyde, is looking for... To, Sorry, quote, the offset he's looking to justify his bill with is a little bit laughable and naive, given that so many other existing funding mechanisms rely on offshore oil and gas revenue, says John Gale, conservation director of Backcountry and Argosia. Okay, John, he just proposed $800 million annually. Um, we didn't cross the $800 million threshold until very, very recently. And you're gonna, and the two A community is what puts you over that mark. And you're gonna laugh and call it laughable. No. No. If you guys think that the two A community doesn't belong within the sportsman community, it is irrelevant to Pittman Robertson Act funds. And and this this issue needs to, this is separate. You know the two A issues are are not sportsman issues, and we need to say fine, fine, fine. I want to see your action alert. I want to see your membership campaign, your fundraiser for mobilization to argue that we remove the big black scary gun sales from the Wildlife Restoration Fund and the Pittman-Robertson Act and have that put in its own pot. And let us go back to what the original intent of the 1930s Pittman-Robertson Act was to provide sportsmen, consumptive users, hunters, trappers, anglers, with a way to put back to the resource. Let's take sportsmen's dollars and keep them in PR funds in the Wildlife Restoration Act, Re- Restoration Fund, and let's go ahead and just remove the sale of those big black scary guns. And then let's talk then about how much money we have in the pot to play with. <laughs> now I'm done.